Chapter 6 The End is Now Upon You Ezekiel 7.3 Focus Jehovah's Prophetic Judgments Against Jerusalem How Fulfilled Paragraphs 1 and 2 Question A What puzzling behavior did Ezekiel engage in? Question B What did his actions foretell? The news about the prophet Ezekiel's strange behavior spreads rapidly among the exiled Jews living in the land of Babylon. For a week he had been sitting dazed and speechless among the exiles, but then he suddenly got up and shut himself in his house. Now with his perplexed neighbors looking on, the prophet reappears, picks up a brick, puts it in front of him, and etches it with a drawing. Then, without uttering a word, Ezekiel begins to build a miniature wall. The spectators, no doubt growing in number, must have wondered, what does all of this mean? Only later would those Jewish exiles fully grasp that the prophet Ezekiel's puzzling behavior foretold the coming of a dreadful event that would express Jehovah God's righteous indignation. What was that event? How did it affect the ancient nation of Israel? What significance does it have for pure worshippers today? Take a brick. Take wheat. Take a sharp sword. Paragraphs 3 and 4. Question A. What three aspects of God's judgment did Ezekiel portray? Question B. How did Ezekiel act out the siege of Jerusalem? In about 613 BCE, Jehovah instructed Ezekiel to demonstrate by signs three aspects of God's coming judgment against Jerusalem. They were the siege of the city, the suffering of its inhabitants, and the destruction of the city and its people. The footnote reads, It is reasonable to conclude that Ezekiel acted out all these signs before onlookers. Why? Because regarding some of the enactments, such as baking bread and carrying luggage, Jehovah commanded Ezekiel specifically to do these things before their eyes, Ezekiel 4.12 and 12.7. End of footnote. Let us consider these three aspects in more detail. The Siege of Jerusalem Jehovah told Ezekiel, Take a brick and put it in front of you. Lay siege to it. Ezekiel 4.1-3 reads, And you, son of man, take a brick and put it in front of you. Engrave on it a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege to it. Build a siege wall against it. Raise up a siege rampart against it. Set up camps against it. And surround it with battering rams. Take an iron griddle and place it as an iron wall between you and the city. Then set your face against it and it will be under siege. You are to besiege it. This is a sign to the house of Israel. The brick represented the city of Jerusalem, while Ezekiel himself portrayed the Babylonian army as used by Jehovah. Ezekiel was also instructed to build a miniature wall, a siege rampart, and to make battering rams. He was then to place these around the brick, They represented the instruments of war that Jerusalem's enemies would use when surrounding the city and attacking it. 
to indicate the iron-like strength of the enemy soldiers, Ezekiel was to put an iron griddle or plate between himself and the city. He then set his face against the city. Those confrontational actions served as a sign to the house of Israel that the unthinkable was about to happen. Jehovah would use an enemy army to lay siege to Jerusalem, the chief city of God's people, the location of God's temple. Paragraph 5. Describe how Ezekiel portrayed what would happen to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The Suffering of Jerusalem's Inhabitants Jehovah ordered Ezekiel, Take wheat, barley, broad beans, lentils, millet, and spelt, a type of wheat, and make them into bread, and weigh out and eat twenty shekels of food per day. Jehovah then explained, I am cutting off the food supply. Ezekiel 4, 9-16 In this scene, Ezekiel no longer represented the Babylonian army. Rather, he took on the role of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The prophet's actions foretold that the coming siege would cause the food supplies in the city to dwindle. At that time, bread would be made from an odd mixture of ingredients, which indicated that the people would have to eat whatever they found. How severe would the starvation become? As if directly addressing the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Ezekiel said, Fathers among you will eat their sons, and sons will eat their fathers. In the end, many would suffer because of the deadly arrows of famine, and the people would waste away. Ezekiel 5, 10 and 16. Paragraph 6, Question A. What two roles did Ezekiel act out at the same time? Question B. What is indicated by God's command to weigh and divide the hair? The Destruction of Jerusalem and Its People In this part of the prophetic enactment, Ezekiel acted out two roles at the same time. First, Ezekiel acted out what Jehovah would do. Jehovah told him, Take a sharp sword for yourself to use as a barber's razor. Ezekiel 5, 1 and 2 reads, As for you, son of man, take a sharp sword for yourself to use as a barber's razor. Shave your head and your beard, and then take scales to weigh and divide the hair into portions. You will burn a third of it in the fire inside the city when the days of the siege are completed. Then you will take another third and strike it with the sword all around the city, and the last third you will scatter to the wind, and I will draw a sword to chase after them. Ezekiel's hand that wielded the sword portrayed the hand of Jehovah, his judgment, as expressed through Babylon's army. Second, Ezekiel acted out what the Jews would go through. Jehovah said to him, Shave your head and your beard. The shaving of Ezekiel's head represented how the Jews would be attacked and wiped out. Furthermore, the command to take scales to weigh and divide the hair into portions implied that Jehovah's judgment against Jerusalem would be carried out not haphazardly, but deliberately and thoroughly. Paragraph 7. Question. Why did Jehovah tell Ezekiel to divide the hair in three portions and to treat each portion differently? Why did Jehovah tell Ezekiel to divide his shaved-off hair into three portions and to treat each portion differently? 
Ezekiel 5, 7-12 reads, Therefore this is what the Sovereign Lord Jehovah says, Because you were more troublesome than the nations all around you, and you did not walk in my statutes or carry out my judicial decisions, but instead you followed the judicial decisions of the nations all around you, this is what the Sovereign Lord Jehovah says, Here I am against you, O city, and I myself will execute judgment in your midst before the eyes of the nations. I will do in you what I have never done before, and the likes of which I will not do again, because of all your detestable practices. So fathers among you will eat their sons, and sons will eat their fathers, and I will execute judgment among you and scatter all the rest of you in every direction. Therefore, as surely as I am alive, declares the Sovereign Lord Jehovah, because it was my sanctuary that you defiled with all your disgusting idols and with all your detestable practices, I will also reject you. My eye will not feel sorry, and I will show no compassion. A third of you will die by the pestilence or perish in your midst by famine. Another third will fall all around you by the sword and I will scatter the last third in every direction, and I will draw a sword to chase after them. Ezekiel burned one portion of hair inside the city to demonstrate to onlookers that some inhabitants of Jerusalem would die in the city. Ezekiel struck a portion of hair with the sword all around the city to indicate that other inhabitants would be killed outside the city. He scattered the last portion of hair to the wind to illustrate that still other inhabitants would be scattered among the nations, but a sword would chase after them. Thus, wherever those survivors might end up living, they would find no peace. Paragraph 8. Question A. What hint of hope did Ezekiel's enactment contain? Question B. How did the prophetic statement about the few strands come true? However, Ezekiel's prophetic enactment also contained a hint of hope. Regarding the hair that Ezekiel had shaved off, Jehovah told the prophet, Take a few strands and wrap them up in the folds of your garment. Ezekiel 5.3 That command indicated that a few of the Jews who would be scattered among the nations would be preserved. Some of those few strands would be among the exiles who were to return to Jerusalem after the seventy-year-long captivity in Babylon. Did that prophetic statement come true? Yes. A number of years after the end of the Babylonian captivity, the prophet Haggai reported that some of the scattered Jews had indeed returned to Jerusalem. They were the old men who had seen the former house, that is, Solomon's temple, Ezra 3.12. Jehovah saw to it that pure worship was preserved, just as he had promised. More details about that restoration will be considered in chapter 9 of this publication. What does this prophecy tell us about coming events? Paragraphs 9 and 10. Question. What significant events foretold for our future do Ezekiel's prophetic enactments bring to mind? The events that Ezekiel acted out bring to mind the significant events that God's Word foretells for our future. What are some of them? As happened with the ancient city of Jerusalem, Jehovah will use secular forces to do the unthinkable.
to attack all false religious organizations on earth. Just as Jerusalem's destruction was a unique calamity, so the Great Tribulation with its War of Armageddon will be an event that has not occurred before. Ezekiel 7.5 and Matthew 24.21 God's Word indicates that individual supporters of false religion will survive the coming destruction of religious institutions. Fearful, these survivors will join other individuals of all ranks who will be searching for a hiding place. Their situation makes us think of what happened to the inhabitants of ancient Jerusalem who survived its destruction and were scattered to the wind. As we considered in paragraph 7, although their lives were spared for a time, Jehovah drew a sword to chase after them. Ezekiel 5.2 Similarly, any hiding places into which the survivors of the attack on religion may run will not shield them from Jehovah's sword. At Armageddon, they will be put to death, together with all other goat-like ones. Paragraphs 11 and 12, question A. How does our understanding of Ezekiel's prophecy about Jerusalem's siege affect our view of the ministry today? Question B. Our preaching work and message may well undergo what change? How does our understanding of this prophecy affect our view of the ministry and its urgency? It impresses on us that we need to do our utmost today to help people to become servants of Jehovah. Why? The time left to make disciples of people of all the nations is limited. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 When the attack of the rod, the secular forces, against religion begins, we will no longer preach a message of salvation. As far as sharing good news is concerned, we will become mute, just as Ezekiel became mute or stopped proclaiming his messages during part of his ministry. True, after the destruction of false religion, people will, in a sense, desperately seek a vision from a prophet, but no life-saving instructions will be given to them. Ezekiel 7.26 The time to receive such instruction and to become a disciple of Christ will have passed. However, our work as preachers will not cease. Why not? During the Great Tribulation, we may well begin proclaiming a message of judgment that will be like a plague of hail. That message will clearly signal that the end of the wicked world is upon mankind. Look, it is coming. Paragraph 13, Question Why did Jehovah tell Ezekiel to lie on his left side and then on his right side? Besides foretelling how Jerusalem would be destroyed, Ezekiel also acted out when that would happen. Ezekiel was told by Jehovah to lie on his left side for 390 days and on his right side for 40 days. Each day represented a year. Ezekiel 4, 4-6 reads, Then you should lie on your left side and lay the guilt of the house of Israel on yourself. You will carry their guilt for the number of days that you lie on your side, and I will impose on you 390 days corresponding to the years of their guilt, and you will carry the guilt of the house of Israel, and you must complete them. Then for a second time you will lie down on your right side, and you will carry the guilt of the house of Judah for 40 days, a day for a year, 
A day for a year is what I have given you. That enactment, which Ezekiel must have performed for only a part of each day, pointed to the exact year of Jerusalem's destruction. The 390 years of Israel's error evidently began in 997 BCE, the year that the twelve-tribe kingdom was divided into two parts. The 40 years of Judah's sin likely began in 647 BCE, which was the year that Jeremiah was commissioned as a prophet to warn the kingdom of Judah in clear-cut terms about its coming destruction. Thus, both time periods would end in 607 BCE, the exact year in which Jerusalem fell and was destroyed, just as Jehovah had foretold. The footnote reads, By allowing the destruction of Jerusalem, Jehovah expressed his judgment against not only the two-tribe kingdom of Judah, but also the ten-tribe kingdom of Israel. See Insight on the Scriptures, Volume 1, page 462, Chronology, from 997 BCE to Desolation of Jerusalem. End of footnote. Paragraph 14, Question A. How did Ezekiel show his confidence in Jehovah as an exact timekeeper? Question B. What would precede Jerusalem's destruction? At the time that Ezekiel received the prophecy of the 390 days and the 40 days, he may not have discerned the exact year of Jerusalem's end. Nevertheless, in the years leading up to its destruction, he repeatedly warned the Jews that Jehovah's judgment was coming. The end is now upon you, he proclaimed. Ezekiel 7.3 reads, the end is now upon you, and I will unleash my anger against you, and I will judge you according to your ways, and call you to account for all your detestable deeds. Verses 5 through 10 read, This is what the Sovereign Lord Jehovah says, Look, a calamity, a unique calamity is coming. An end is coming. The end will come. It will rouse itself against you. Look, it is coming. Your turn has come, you who inhabit the land. The time is coming, the day is near. There is confusion and not joyful shouting on the mountains. Very soon I will pour out my rage on you, and I will fully unleash my anger against you, and I will judge you according to your ways and call you to account for all your detestable deeds. My eye will not feel sorry, nor will I feel compassion. I will bring on you the results of your ways, and you will suffer the consequences of your own detestable deeds. And you will have to know that I, Jehovah, am striking you. Look, the day, look, it is coming, your turn has come. The rod has blossomed, and presumptuousness has sprouted. Ezekiel had no doubt that Jehovah would prove to be an exact timekeeper. The prophet also foretold what events would precede the destruction of Jerusalem. There will come disaster upon disaster. Those events, in turn, would lead up to the breakdown of social, religious, and governmental structures. Ezekiel 7, 11-13, and 25-27. through 27. Paragraph 15. Question. What parts of Ezekiel's prophecy began to be fulfilled from 609 BCE onward? A few years after Ezekiel proclaimed Jerusalem's fall, 
the prophecy began to be fulfilled. In 609 BCE, Ezekiel learned that the attack against Jerusalem had begun. At that time, the sound of the trumpet summoned the inhabitants to defend their city, but as Ezekiel had foretold, no one was going to the battle. Ezekiel 7.14 Jerusalem's inhabitants did not rally to the city's defense to fight the Babylonian invaders. Some Jews may have thought that Jehovah would come to their rescue. He had done so before when the Assyrians had threatened to take Jerusalem and an angel of Jehovah had destroyed most of their army. But no angelic help arrived this time. Before long, the besieged city resembled a cooking pot that was put on the fire, and its inhabitants were caught like pieces of meat inside the pot. Ezekiel 24, 1-10 After an agonizing siege that lasted 18 months, Jerusalem was destroyed. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Paragraph 16. Question. How may we today demonstrate our confidence in Jehovah as an exact timekeeper? What can we learn from this part of Ezekiel's prophecy? Does it relate to the message of our ministry and the reaction of those to whom we preach? Jehovah has determined when the approaching destruction of false religion will come about, and again he will prove to be an exact timekeeper. We do not know the precise date of that event. Like Ezekiel, though, we continue to carry out Jehovah's instruction to warn people repeatedly, saying, The end is now upon you. Why do we need to repeat that message? For the same reason that Ezekiel needed to do so. The footnote reads, Note that in the brief passage found at Ezekiel 7, 5-7, Jehovah mentions the words come and coming six times. End of footnote. Most people to whom he proclaimed God's prophecy about Jerusalem's fall did not believe it. But later, some Jewish exiles in Babylon showed a righteous heart condition, and they returned to their homeland. Similarly, many people today dismiss the idea that this world will come to an end. Even so, until the time for mankind to accept God's message runs out, we want to help honest-hearted individuals to find the road that leads to life. Paragraph 17. Question. What conditions and events will we witness during the coming Great Tribulation? Ezekiel's prophecy also reminds us that when the coming attack against religious organizations occurs, members of the churches will not be going to the battle to defend religion. Instead, as they begin to realize that their cry for help, Lord, Lord, is going unanswered, their hands will hang limp and they will be shuddering. Ezekiel 7, 3, 14, 17, and 18. What else will they do? Ezekiel 7, 19 through 21 reads, They will throw their silver into the streets, and their gold will become abhorrent to them. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them in the day of Jehovah's fury. They will not be satisfied, nor will they fill their stomachs for it has become a stumbling block, causing their error. They took pride in the beauty of their ornaments, and they made with them their detestable images, their disgusting idols. That is why I will make it an abhorrent thing to them. 
I will give it into the hand of the foreigners for plunder, and to the wicked ones of the earth for spoil, and they will profane it. Jehovah says, They will throw their silver into the streets. That statement regarding the inhabitants of ancient Jerusalem also vividly illustrates what will take place during the Great Tribulation. At that time, people will realize that money cannot save them from the coming calamity. Paragraph 18. Question. What lesson about setting priorities can we draw from Ezekiel's prophecy? Do you discern a lesson for us in this part of Ezekiel's prophecy? It is about the need to set the right priorities. Consider this. Only after the inhabitants of Jerusalem understood that the end of their city and their life was upon them, and that material goods could not save them, only after that did they drastically change their priorities. They threw their possessions away and began to seek a vision from a prophet. But their change came too late. Ezekiel 7.26 In contrast, we are already fully aware that the end of this wicked world is upon us. Therefore, our faith in God's promises has moved us to set the right priorities in life. As a result, we are busy pursuing spiritual riches which have lasting value and will never be thrown into the streets. Matthew 6, 19-21 reads, Stop storing up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. Rather, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24 reads, No one can slave for two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stick to the one and despise the other. You cannot slave for God and for riches. Paragraph 19. Question. How do Ezekiel's prophetic proclamations affect us today? In summary, what are some of the ways that Ezekiel's prophetic statements about the fall of Jerusalem affect us today? They remind us that the time still available for helping others to become God's servants is limited. Hence, we carry out the disciple-making work with urgency. We rejoice greatly when honest-hearted individuals begin to worship our Father Jehovah. However, even to those who do not take that step, we continue to give the warning that Ezekiel gave to the people in his day. The end is now upon you. Ezekiel 7.3 At the same time, we are determined to maintain our trust in Jehovah and to keep his pure worship first and foremost in our life. Your Place in Pure Worship 1. The events that Ezekiel acted out remind us of what momentous events that God's Word foretold for our future. 2. How does the way Ezekiel carried out his commission to preach Jehovah's warnings affect your view of the ministry? 3. Why might the prophecies that we considered in this chapter move you to re-examine your priorities? And what changes have you already made?